morning, the Sunday sermon for the 29th of January comes from the readings found in the prophet Micah 6, 1 to 8. The psalm is Psalm 15. The second reading is 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. And our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, peace be with you, my friends. So you've heard the message from two weeks ago. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you have come to believe that Jesus is indeed that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And last week you heard the command from Jesus to follow me. And you've positively responded, taken the first step to the call. You've returned. You're here. You showed up and you're ready to follow Jesus. Well, now what? Now what do I do, Jesus? What great acts must I perform to get your attention, to receive your blessings? How many homeless folks do I need to give food and or shelter to? How much money must I now give to the church or to my favorite charitable organization to receive eternal life? How many times do I need to come to church and say the prayer of confession and kneel before you, Lord, reverently, obviously, and take part in the Eucharist to continue to receive your blessings? My friends, listen to the good news. The good news of the Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament and the Word of God from Malachi. God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to, walk, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's it, my friends. Do the right thing. Be kind and loving to one another, and walk humbly with God. That's it, you ask? Can't be. God must want more from us. What else does that dusty old book, the Bible, the Word of God say? Listen to the good news, my friends. The good news from the book of Psalms. Yes, the book of Psalms. Specifically from Psalm 15. The question is, Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle? Who may abide upon your holy hill? The question indeed comes from very pious people. The question comes from very proud and noble people. People with strength, people with power, people with position. The answer then from Psalm 15 reads, Whoever does what is right, who speaks the truth from her heart, who holds no guile upon her tongue, and one who does no evil to her friend, does not heap content, contempt upon her neighbor. That's it, you ask? Yes, that's it, my friends. Pretty much what it boils down to. I hope you hear the echoes from the creation story here, for this was the way God, our God, intended us to live from the beginning. It was God's original intention for human beings to do justice, not only to each other, but to and with the whole of creation. It was God's original intention for God's very good creation to be kind to one another, love one another, as well as to be kind to all and love all of God's good creation. 
Friends, it was God's original intent for intent for human beings to walk humbly with God, to enjoy fellowship with God, to know God, and to be known by God. And that's how I read Genesis 1 and 2 anyway, and it's how I read many, many more times throughout the Old Testament God's message to his people, his chosen people of God, to do what is right to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And so, my friends, we should not be surprised to hear that when Jesus shows up in the Gospel of Matthew and announces, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or good news to you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. We shouldn't think this is some kind of new teaching from Jesus. No, Jesus doesn't skip a beat at all. Jesus is perfectly in step with the scriptures, with the Old Testament, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, this is what my kingdom looks like right here, right now. This is not for the future. No, this is for right here, right now. You see, for many of us, we've been taught to believe that Jesus was merely a great teacher. And that is true. Take, for example, when the disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus teaches his, his disciples and us what we have come to know as the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A great teaching, a great prayer. Or when one asks Jesus, Who then is my neighbor? Jesus teaches the lawyer who asked the question, and us as well today, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now that's a great teaching, and that's a timeless story. But when we come to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, when Jesus saw the crowds and went up on the mountain and began to speak and to bring forth the words we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mount, my friends, let me suggest to you that Jesus was not teaching. No, Jesus was proclaiming. And Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And that good news began right then, right there, right now. You see, my friends, Jesus wasn't merely saying that if we somehow can teach people how to behave in this manner, to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, to find a pure heart, to work for peace, as in if only we could get the majority of the population to behave this way, in the future, then, the world would be a better place. If this is what we hear in the Sermon on the Mount, good moral teaching, that Jesus was only teaching us how to behave, well, we'd miss the point of what really was going on. Jesus is not suggesting that these are, mere, are simply timeless truths about the way the world is, about human behavior. I say this because if Jesus were only teaching encouraging us to live this way, Jesus would be wrong. For often mourners go uncomforted. The meek don't inherit the earth, and those who long for justice oftentimes take that longing into the grave. 
No, this is not a philosophical discussion of how the world might be. This is a proclamation of good news. This is an announcement from the king to the king's subjects that something is beginning to happen and that something is new creation, new life, a new beginning. This is a proclamation in which the king says, this is how my kingdom is. This is who my subjects are. You see, Jesus is not saying, just try hard to live like this, and then you will have a blessing later on down the road. No, Jesus is saying, my kingdom looks like this. The difference is, is that in our world, in the way most people live, we are taught that people who are blessed, people who are happy, people who have a great life, are those who are rich, who are wealthy, who have few, if any, troubles in life, who are victorious in their battles. And this is what we are taught, and this is what most of us seek. This is what most of the world believes it takes to be happy, to be blessed. Jesus is saying those who are humble, those who are poor in spirit, those who do mourn, those who are peacemakers, essentially those who give away rather than take, those are the ones who are truly blessed. Those are the ones who are truly happy. Those are the ones who are content. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. It's quite upside down, is it not? Jesus is saying that in my kingdom, instead of living for yourself, we live for one another. Jesus is saying that to love one another means to will the good of the other over the self. Jesus goes on to say in this sermon to love your enemies, to do good to those who persecute you. What? That's unheard of. Jesus is saying we will live the prayer we pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see? I realize this is a whole different way for us to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And more than likely, I may have confused you more than clarified for you. But we have reached the point in our spiritual growth as a parish, as a congregation, even some of you who are listening to my voice now, that I'm confident in bringing you deeper into the Word deeper into understanding what the kingdom of God is to look like. Now, I could have broken down for you a list of what it means to be poor in spirit, or what it looks like to mourn, or who the meek are, what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'd encourage you to pick up your Bibles and read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But the fact of the matter is, I see these things happening before my eyes, and I hear of these hap things happening in your homes, in your places of employment, and in your community in which we live. For I hear of some of you actually work to create peace amongst those who are at odds with each other, at your workplace. Dangerous business to step out and be different. I see some of you actually mourning with those who mourn. 
opening up your hearts, becoming vulnerable and real, and really mourning with others. I see and hear of your acts of kindness towards the homeless, the less fortunate, the wayward. And not only are you, St. Bartholomew's of Palmer, Alaska, doing these things, I see the fruit of you being these things. I see those of you who are poor in spirit, actually inheriting the kingdom of God. I see those of you who do mourn, that you are comforted by the Holy Spirit of God. I see those of you who hunger and thirst for righteousness being filled In short, I see the kingdom of God living, breathing, and being done right here, right now. You're living it out. In all honesty, however, I see some of us frustrated in our being, deep within our spirit. We question whether God is really a part of our lives. Is this Jesus the real deal? Am I doing this Christianity thing correctly? To those of you who feel this way, I say this. Take a breath. Relax. Trust. My friends, believe me, you're doing it. No, really, you are. You're being who Jesus needs you to be. You're humble. You're poor in spirit. You mourn. You seek peace where you don't see it. You're living in the kingdom. Not easy, but true. But if you're on the opposite side side saying, Ha! I got this. I'm good. I've heard all this before. Others need to hear this, not me. Well, you might want to pick up your Bible and do a little more study. For the reason is, is that you may not be walking in the path that you think you're walking in. Well, today at St. Bartholomew's is our annual meeting, and I'm legitimately grateful for each and every one of you here today. My hope is that as we meet in a few moments, this meeting is not just simply conducting business as usual, that we are not merely giving and receiving annual reports, electing new vestry members, and filling important roles in our church organization. No, My hope is that we see a vision for our future as the church, as a parish who continues to live out our lives as we live out the truth that the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. In short, we continue to do the right thing, to love each other, to be kind to each other, and to walk humbly with our God. My friends, the Sermon on the Mount is not a teaching for the future. No, the Sermon on the Mount is good news. It is the gospel for today, for right here, right now. It's not about some future promise, nor is the Sermon on the Mount teaching about hopefully finding a way for people in the world to live. The Sermon on the Mount is about living in new creation, being a living in a new beginning and living a new way of life. Let's keep doing this. Let's see a future for not only our little parish here in Palmer, Alaska, but let's see a future for the church uh, uh, worldwide, the church of Jesus to live this way into our communities. It's pretty simple. Do the right thing. Love to be kind. Walk humbly with your God. 
Amen. Amen.